580 days after being arrested for corruption and money laundering, former Brazilian President Lula is out of prison and grabbing all the headlines. And this week's episode is about him. I'm sure it might seem repetitive to once again have another episode about the same guy. This is a weekly podcast and we try to keep our subjects as varied as possible. This is our 85th episode and we've managed to keep our Lula count to just three, counting this episode. But there's good reason for talking about him. I mean, you cannot understand Brazilian politics without talking about Lula. You can't understand Brazil without knowing his history. Love him or hate him, there's one thing you can take away from the ex-president. His story epitomizes Brazil more than any other politician. It's still not clear how history will treat Lula, and that's a discussion for the future. Now, we have to talk about present-day Lula, because once again, he's a key figure in Brazil's current political moment. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. Lula is a great storyteller, and not the most modest of human beings. Last year, before heading to prison, he said he was no longer a man, but rather an idea. But let's face it, his story mirrors that of Brazil in many ways, both good and bad. I asked André Pagliarini to help me explain why. He is a visiting assistant professor at Brown University and holds a PhD in Brazilian history. I'll let him do the talking. In many ways, Lula's life really is a reflection of the various strands and dynamics and changes of the 20th century in Brazil. From his birth in the impoverished Northeast to the migration he made, um, to the more um, industrial um, developing part of the southeast in Sao Paulo and its outskirts. This is a, 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 tr a trip, a, a trajectory that many of Lula's generation and class um, shared. And so right away, his sort of origin story, as it were, is one that uh, is relatable to huge swaths of the working class um, not only in Sao Paulo and its outskirts, but sort of primarily there. Um, and then he went on to train to be a, uh, a, a factory worker through public training programs, um, again, that, that, that offered sort of ladders of opportunity to many people in this rising working class. And at the head of an increasingly militant labor union, um, Lula was not only criticizing the dictatorship for its economic policies, but he was really interrogating the broader 20th century history of unionism in Brazil, um, criticizing the settlement, the top-down settlement that Getúlio Vargas had um, foreseen, uh, had overseen when he was uh, a, a, a dictator. 
So, in short, we really cannot understand the rise and enduring political significance of Lula without understanding him as a product of a transformational century in Brazil that saw uh, the, the rise of mass politics, the increasing influence of organized labor, um, and also increasingly the political demand for authentic leadership for working class leaders, not necessarily top-down members of the elite um, dictating terms to working people. That had a, its moment in Brazilian history, right, with Getulio Vargas um, overseeing an expansion of the welfare state and, and labor rights. But by the, the uh, late 1970s, when Lula is really coming to national prominence, um, he really represents a shift away from that, uh, demanding that, that the workers have their own party and that they have their own seat at the table. And that's a major shift. Lula is perhaps most notable um, as an avatar of Brazil's industrial working class. But I think what really sets him apart as a political leader is his unique ability, this unmatched capacity that he has to speak convincingly to different audiences. Eu sei o que é um domingo de manhã de chuva com cinco irmãos na Vila São José em São Caetano esperando a hora do almoço sem ter um bocado de feijão para colocar no fogo. Eu sei o que é isso. So, in other words, when he gets up in the late 1970s addressing striking workers, he's able to seamlessly convince everybody in the audience that he is fighting for them, he is on their side, he is speaking for them, he has their interests in mind. But as the Workers' Party consolidated itself over the course of the 1980s and 1990s, Lula also demonstrated the ability to speak to members of the financial elite, the media elite, the political elite, the political establishment, to convince them that what he was really offering was a political strategy to address endemic poverty in Brazil while not necessarily um, sort of shattering the fortunes of the country's establishment. And so that ability to combine different uh, discourses according to who he was trying to convince or who he's, who he's trying to address or comfort is what I think sets Lula apart from other leaders of his generation and really makes him, um, for better or for worse, an enduring political leadership in Brazil because he's able to modulate his discourse um, without sacrificing his legitimacy. There's no doubt that during his time in office, Lula benefited from a favorable international um, outlook. The commodities boom, most famously, um, helped sort of give the fuel to the Brazilian economy needed uh, to invest in innovative social programs. So there's no doubt about that. The I think the main source of debate about Lula's legacy is what he decided to do with the windfall of the commodities boom. Um, most notably, of course, Bolsa Família, which is a conditional cash transfer program, um, which international observers all sort of agree and have now attempted to emulate, helped lift millions of Brazilians out of poverty and helped families that were on the edge of starvation, for example, um, really have a floor to stand on um, That, in order to, uh, in many cases, 
began a slow but careful and steady and we now see a fragile rise out of absolute poverty so that is you know cannot be overstated i think the importance of bolsa familia um but there are other areas in which lula his government helped to reshape and refashion um brazilian social life um for example policies in education completely refashioned the student population of Brazilian higher education, opening the doors to um, more students of working class and poor backgrounds to go to universities. For example, under Lula, every state in Brazil, for the first time, had its own federal university, um, had its own public college uh, for people to be able to be able to attend school without having to make the long trip to a different state to uh, compete with other students um, in uh, for admittance to the to the best schools so that you know huge investment in higher education um, that transforms society and uh, economy and politics in, in, in really important ways Despite his ability, as I mentioned earlier, to speak convincingly to members of the elite in finance and uh, government and the media, Lula still is, and his identity is still intrinsically linked to his working class background. Um, and so I think, on the one hand, this inspires millions of Brazilians. They see a little bit of themselves in Lula. Um, and so there's a really strong bond there between Lula and people who vote for him, have voted for him. And frankly, many people who would not vote for him, I think, still see something to admire um, in Lula's story. I always say that even for people who despise Lula, in almost any other country, his story would be something that people would be proud of. Somebody who came from nothing through his own ability to fight and study and work hard, rose to the highest office in the land. So there is something... I think, undeniable about uh, that story. The, uh, it's a positive story. Now, on the other hand, I do think there are certain parts of Brazilian society that have just never reconciled with the idea of seeing someone from the impoverished Northeast with a, a third grade education, very limited um, scholarly background, being president. And not only being president, but... Um, being incredibly popular, and seeming to never really go away. I think this infuriates large parts of um, the Brazilian population, particularly those who have always seen themselves in positions of power or people who look like them, people that they deem to have some kind of legitimate claim to the highest office. Lula, whatever one thinks of his politics, disrupted that with the Workers' Party, disrupted the traditional image of who should be president. Um, and there are parts of Brazilian society that have never forgiven him for that. If he had wanted to, at the height of his political strength, he might have argued for constitutional change or sought to uh, continue his time in office um, indefinitely by amending the constitution. He might very well have gotten away with it. We'll never know, of course. But the fact that he did not do that, to me, in my opinion, um, speaks to the fundamental democratic character of Lula as a politician. Whatever one thinks of his policies, of his politics, or even of his corruption or not. The parties of the traditional center-right 
proved themselves time and again incapable of defeating Lula and the Workers' Party. Um, that inability radicalized certain parts of the opposition, of the conservative opposition, ultimately leading to the election of Bolsonaro. So there's, it's not hard to imagine a situation in which Lula galvanizes the left as well as the right, people who need a reminder, possibly, of why they voted for Bolsonaro in the first place. Things might not be going great, but Lula out there, sort of red in the face, yelling at the government, yelling at the economic model, might just remind a lot of uh, conservatives and center-right people why they decided to cast their lot with Bolsonaro in the first place. So, which political arena will Lula find now? That's after the break. I'm Laura Kiran, co-founder of the Brazilian Report. I'm just dropping by to tell you that it has become much easier to subscribe to the Brazilian Report. You no longer need a PayPal account. Now, you only need a credit card to subscribe to the best content about Brazil in English. And don't forget that we still have our 7-day free trial system with absolutely no strings attached. We only ask you for your payment information once you commit to a subscription. But we are confident that you will want to stick with us. Support independent journalism at brazilian.report slash subscribe. The Brazilian Report, no ads, no clickbait, just smart, contextualized takes on what is going on in Brazil. Ewan Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. Before we get into anything, so please explain to our listeners, why is Lula out of prison? So, yeah, the Supreme Court in Brazil recently decided that prison sentences can no longer be enforced right after the first failed appeal, which that had been the court's interpretation since 2016. So now justices are saying that a defendant must exhaust all of their appeal routes before they go behind bars. And that's a process that, you know, that can take years, sometimes even decades. And in which stage is Lula's case or cases? Yeah, it's right for you to mention that because Lula is answering multiple corruption cases. For the one that actually put him in jail, he was convicted of receiving a beachfront apartment as a kickback for benefiting construction companies. And that case has been now tried in three stages of the justice system. And unless he gets a Supreme Court conviction, Lola will remain free as a bird. You are in Brasilia right now. That's why you're not with me in the studio. Uh, you're right at Brazil's Congress, covering the political aftermath of Lula's release from prison. So can you paint us the picture there? Well, yeah. So as soon as the Supreme Court trial was approaching its end, like this is we're talking last week already, there was a movement began in the, the House and the Senate to approve a constitutional amendment which would allow defendants to go to jail after a failed appeal. So basically kind of going behind the Supreme Court's back and changing the law to, you know, to make it so that defendants would have to go to jail after one failed appeal. And, you know, despite it being a quiet week here in Congress due to, you know, we have the BRICS summit, which is happening this week, 
there was actually plenty of movement and you know heated debates and parliamentary commissions on Tuesday to try and get these proposals passed as soon as possible. But the general feeling is that such a change wouldn't actually be possible because the right to the presumption of innocence, as they call it in Brazil, is called an entrenched clause in the Constitution. So that means that the only way to change that would be to rip up the whole Constitution and start over again. But going back to Lula, his first speech out of jail was anything but conciliatory. He called President Jair Bolsonaro a liar. He talked about rotten sections of the justice system which try to criminalize the left. He even called economy minister Paulo Guedes a dream crusher. What can we expect from this post-prison version of Lula? Well, yeah, in his very last interviews in prison, Lola said that the whole kind of experience of being behind bars had radicalized him, that, you know, suggesting that he would leave prison more to the left of the spectrum than he was before. And it's important at this point to mention that despite his left background and his policies, under Lola's administration, you know, banks and big finance system, you know, it, it profited like never before. And several of pro-business measures were put in place during his presidency. So, you know, he wasn't this, this bogeyman for the business owners that, you know, he often seems to be portrayed as. Yeah, and we wrote a piece exactly about that last year during the electoral season. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, the, you know, these, these early speeches, they indicated that Lola could perhaps go back to like an older version of himself from before his first presidential term which and where he was like more radical to the left and less kind of conciliatory. But today I was speaking to the, the Workers' Party leader in the Senate, Humberto Costa, and he was adamant that Lula's discourse will soon change because he kind of suggested that after he spoke to Lula, that it was clear that this, you know, 580 days in prison that left him with a lot of like pent-up rage, which is what we saw in the weekend speeches. And so he suggests that now Lola will be now toning down his rhetoric to try to kind of build a wide political front and challenge Jair Bolsonaro. Our colleague Lucas Berti said something interesting to us in the newsroom this week, that November 8th, when Lula was released from prison, that was the first moment the Jair Bolsonaro administration faced any opposition. Yeah, because, I mean, for better or worse, Lola is the only political reference on the left at the moment. And out of jail, he automatically draws almost all centre-left and left-wing forces to kind of gravitate around him. The notable exception there being Ciro Gomes, who is the former governor of Ceará, and he ran in the 2018 election. He finished in third. And he made it clear that he now has nothing to do with Lola and he wants nothing to do with Lola in the future. But the rest of the left wing is kind of on the bandwagon at the moment. But, you know, so far, nobody has managed to rise as a credible leader without Lola's blessing. And at this point, no one seems to be that kind of heir apparent of the left. That kind of explains why Lula in prison meant a disoriented opposition. I mean, his party got stuck in a free Lula loophole and without him quarterbacking all the moves, it's like nobody knows what to do or nobody knows how to make voters care. 
Yeah, and, and this kind of Lola dependence is definitely a problem for the Workers' Party because he's 74 years old. We can't forget that. And also, at this point, he is ineligible for public office for at least seven years. So the left and the Workers' Party, you know, they've got to start thinking about a transition because the Workers' Party is still the party in Brazil with the most powerful grassroots structure, but it's also at the same time quite a fragile party because, you know, it only has one reference, which is Lula. Yeah, especially a reference that is so polarizing because at the same time that Lula remains Brazil's most popular politician, he's also one of the country's most vilified figures. I participated in a newscast uh, on Al Jazeera and I mentioned that the upside for this, for Jair Bolsonaro, is that now he has his favorite boogeyman back. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you agree that the release of Lula can further radicalize the far right and Jair Bolsonaro's supporters? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, sure. Like you said, Bolsonaro, he's a politician who thrives on conflict. He needs an antagonist to play off of. And, you know, when he doesn't have any, he will create one himself. But now he has this, you know, loathed figure against whom he can now rally his troops. That means we're entering a new era in the Bolsonaro government? Well, it looks that way because, you know, for almost an entire year, Bolsonaro's only real opposition has come from within his own ranks. And even then, you know, his, his, his priority agenda was really slow to implement. And with Lola out of jail and in the public spotlight, personally, I'm expecting quite a big change. This podcast was written, prepared, and produced by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Ewan Marshall edits the final script. Many people write us to say they love this podcast and that they want to contribute with it. So if you're one of these people, it's pretty simple to help explain in Brazil. Just subscribe to The Brazilian Report, which is the journalistic engine behind this podcast. Every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance, society, Latin American affairs, environmental issues, I mean, you name it. You can enjoy a seven-day, no-strings-attached free trial before committing to a subscription, and you only need to add your credit card number after you decide to subscribe. And we're pretty confident you will. Go to brazilian.report.com slash subscribe. That's all for now. See you next week.